Welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about topics that remind us that Jesus calls us to live differently than the world around us. I'm Dan, here with Garrett. Hi, everybody. And we are, this is going to be the first of six episodes where we are talking about the topic of discipleship. And the reason this is an area of focus is because for about the last year, or probably longer, uh, the pastoral team and the elder team have been praying about how God is going to lead our church in deeper ways in this area. And uh, and at the same time, when we talk about discipleship, we need to pause and make sure we're getting our terms right, because mm-hmm. it's one of those words that you can have five people talking about discipleship, and they all are thinking something different. Right. So for you, Garrett, when you think of discipleship, what are some things that spring to mind? Well, the first thing I, th- I think of is it's, it's pretty complex, and uh, for a lot of church people or people who no longer go to church, they see that as an area that churches really struggle with. You know, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, that's great, you're focused on discipleship. I've never seen a church do this well. You know, and I think that has to do with the way we define the word. Is this a church program that churches have to do well or not do well? Or is this a personal commitment to growing closer to Christ and churches can be a tool to help you do that? Um, If a church does or doesn't do it well, shouldn't necessarily determine whether or not you're committed to discipleship. It should be a way that we can help others uh, grow closer to God. So, you know, as far as we define it, I really think it comes to, you know, discipleship is really the way in which you daily deepen your relationship with Christ. Yeah, and and that is. I'm glad you brought that up because we have to start just with the idea that discipleship is something that we make a mistake when we isolate it to sort of one thing, Mm -hmm. just almost as if it's like, all right, you are converted, you come to faith with Jesus, then you go through a program where you get discipled, and then you move on from there. And uh, and it's sort of like, all right, that, that program and that thing might be fine. And sometimes to discipleship, we think kind of of mentoring, mm-hmm. like, all right, somebody has come alongside me and they're guiding me. All that is good. But discipleship is all of life as living as disciples of Jesus. And so when we're talking about it, we're, we're, we have to back up and say the big picture of discipleship is that it's talking about the idea that when we come to faith in Jesus, we're not simply entering into an informal or uh, or an impersonal exchange. Right. All right, I give you my faith, you give me the immunity necklace so that I get into heaven when I die, and we're good. Yeah, how many of those do you have? Yeah, uh, well, from uh, when I appeared on season 16 of Survivor. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, but, but there is this idea where we're... Um, we can kind of look at it and say, wait, we have an impersonal exchange, and then discipleship is optional. Right. Whereas Jesus, one of the final things that he said in the Great Commission is he said, go, make disciples of right. all nations. Right. The, the, there was a central idea that to become a believer in Jesus meant the same thing as to become a disciple of Jesus. Right, yeah, and, and it's kind of, uh, it would be difficult to define it in terms uh, of a church program that's planned and come from this hour to this hour, every week and that will be discipleship yeah then uh, you will be discipled right it would be hard it, it, that would be only the way in which we teach others about what disciple is discipleship is the way in which we define it the way that you get some tools to go then and do it and so yeah i mean it's it's interesting to think about even as a church that we're offering uh, and we're going to be speaking and teaching about discipleship because it is something that um for all intents and purposes won't really be happening here at church. It'll be happening in the lives of, of the church members. Yeah, going to be happening all over. And and uh, and yeah, and so I think maybe just even as we're starting, if we're saying, all right, for anyone listening, um, a way to frame this is first of all to say, 
discipleship has to do with just embracing the idea that as a believer in Jesus, you are a disciple. Mm-hmm. And the the literal idea of a disciple in, in just the Greek word, it's it's the noun form of the Greek verb for learn. Hmm. So mm-hmm. a disciple is a learner. In right. fact, the first sermon that we're going to do is called Learners. Right. So it has to do with the idea of, all right, this is this is somebody that has attached themselves to someone else to learn from them. And in, in a typical way, not just to learn raw facts, but sort of to, to learn their life, to follow them around. And the word disciple didn't originate with Jesus. Hmm. Jesus didn't say, I got this great idea. I'll have people called disciples. Right. Uh, in fact, if you read in Mark chapter 2, um, some people come to Jesus to ask him why his disciples don't fast like the like the others do. And they actually say, John's disciples fast, and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, mm. but your disciples don't, which just shows the word is not unique to Jesus. Um, right. Some people, went, when they've written about discipleship and the concept, have talked about it as something along the lines of apprenticeship, right. which we do see, you know, not all over the place, but sometimes we still do see in our culture the idea that somebody attaches themselves to somebody else as an apprentice. Yeah, I, I think may, maybe, you know, uh, sometimes we get confused because we look at the the apostles or the disciples and we think that there's yeah. those were them, those were their title. And sometimes we even forget, even biblically, that there were, Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. Absolutely. And, and we don't often refer to that. Can you tell us a little bit about what that might have looked like back well, then? Well, yeah, and you do. That There are times um, in the in the Gospels where the word disciples does seem to be used just to refer to the 12. Right. But often, as you just alluded to, there's other terms. The apostles mm-hmm. or the 12 are used to refer to them. There are a whole bunch of other disciples. In fact, in, in uh, after Jesus' death, when it talks about Joseph of Arimathea coming and asking for his body, it refers to Joseph of Arimathea as a disciple of Jesus, but in secret. Uh-huh. And so he wasn't one of the 12. Um, and after Jesus gives his famous, um, I am the bread of life speech, where he ends in a cryptic way of saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you have no part in me. Hmm. In John 6, after that, it says, many of his disciples followed him no more. And right. then it says that then he turned to the 12. Hmm. So it's not saying, all right, well, he had these 12 disciples and four of them were just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had many people who had attached themselves and said, I'm going to treat you like the teacher, like the master. I'm going to follow my cues. I'm a learner. I'm a pupil. I'm an apprentice. And then after that message, they they dropped out of their internship. Yeah. They said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Hmm. But there was a core that stayed and remained there. So it's a category much broader than just the 12 who we sometimes refer to as the disciples. So then do we see a progression that um, when it's just the apostles on earth, you know, is there just a progression of them uh, making more and more disciples? Is, does the New Testament speak to what that greater group look like? Yeah, well, and that's what I think is one of the really exciting things as we talk about this. The whole, you know, going back to the Great Commission, when Jesus says to the apostles, go make disciples of all nations, this is a self-replicating, this is a reproducing idea. And so, it, you know, what, one of the amazing things that Jesus said in John, um, I believe it's in John 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And he says to the 12 who were with him at the time, um, don't be sad, it's good that I'm going away, because if I didn't go away, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. Right. That Jesus makes the audacious claim that for believers, it's better to have the Holy Spirit within us than Jesus standing right next to us, mm, which yeah. I wow. think most of us kind of believe, but we have a hard time with. 
Right. Um, Jesus is setting things up. He also said in, in that same context of that same speech, he said to the apostles, you are going to do greater things than I did, which properly understood we're like, well, we're not going to die for sins, yeah. or rise from the grave. Walk on water. But if you read Acts, they're doing miracles all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And also the scope of who is reached through the apostles is much wider than the scope reached through Jesus. Where Jesus is starting in Israel, he's really focused on the 12, and then he's focused on some people surrounding that. But when the gospel goes out through the apostles, you have all kinds of people. It stretches out to the Gentiles. It stretches out to the Samaritans. It stretches out to the, the farther reaches of the world as, as mission trips are going out. So you have this idea mm -hmm. of people going around not simply looking for some sort of official conversion hmm. where it's like, all right, you were of this religion. We're going to invite you to be part of this religion. They're proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus, which at its center is saying, we believe Jesus is Lord. We believe he is the center of all existence. He is the one who will ultimately inherit the earth. So of course, we want to become his disciples. Of course, he's the one we want to attach ourselves to. And all kinds of people embrace that. Hmm. So to come to faith, to, to be, in this sense, to be converted through faith in Jesus is not simply to say, I want that forgiveness. It's saying, I proclaim Jesus as Lord. Hmm. And so I'm going to live as if he is the master and I'm I'm the pupil. I'm the right. apprentice. I'm, I'm pursuing new life as he leads me in that direction. So we're taking that concept kind of specifically, because there's lots of different forms of discipleship and and one could be listening to this podcast and deepening your faith. But over the next six weeks, we, you know, we're going to be talking about this interpersonal aspect of, of discipleship. And, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, my question for you is it seems like we, maybe we like as humans like to compartmentalize and we say it's either this one or this one. Um, either I've done discipleship at one point in my journey with Christ and then I didn't. I've been discipled, but I, I'm not really good at discipling others. How do we make... Um, all aspects of discipleship, including an interpersonal relationship with others, how do we make that part of our daily walk? Yeah, and, and that's uh, it's like the question to ask, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and again, it's important to start with saying, all right, the, this isn't just a programmatic thing. This is all of our lives. You, you just said it. God willing, for, for certain people listening to this podcast as part of their regular routine, this is part of their discipleship because this is part of pointing them towards being closer followers of Jesus. Right. When we're reading the Bible on our own, when we're praying, when we're attending church and mm -hmm. experiencing the worship of the church, when we're taking risky steps of faith that the Holy Spirit is leading us to in our daily lives, all of that, our, our financial giving, all of that is discipleship. Um, and what we're focusing in on just to say, all right, what is it that we can do as sort of an organized church to facilitate this more? The area that we're giving special attention to is those interpersonal relationships to say, you are a part of my discipleship. I'm a part of your discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, Garrett, you know, we, we've only known each other for well, three, four months yeah. at this point. Um, there have been conversations that we've had either in meetings that we've been in together or just one-on-one -on -one, where you have been a part of helping to shape my attention back towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's something we do for, for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what we're looking to do is to say, all right, as, as people who are a part of Life Bible Fellowship Church or anybody else listening, but, but specifically as we're talking about our church family, to say God has probably already brought people into your sphere. Right. Our goal is not to say, all right, every member of Life Bible Fellowship Church, go make some cold calls and find somebody to disciple or somebody yeah. to disciple you. Yeah. 
but to say you're in a life group, you got people in your sphere. You're in men's Bible study. You're in one of Marnie's um, many, many women's Bible yep, studies. Yep. You have people in your sphere. God has already given you a heart for them. Maybe you, you're already friends. Maybe even already get together on right. a regular basis. So to say, all right, now within that, what would it look like to take that relationship that already exists and be more purposeful, be more intentional to say, when we get together, um, we're, we're not simply going to leave it at the point of shooting the breeze and talking about what's going on with our kids and what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we were chatting before this, talking about soccer and your daughter in first grade yeah, and you know, yeah. these different things. That, that's all good. But to say, when we're getting together, here's what we're going to make sure we talk about. We're going to make sure that we talk about the sins that we're struggling with and the ways that God is calling us to, to yield to the Holy Spirit in those areas. We all have sins that we're battling. Some of us have sins that, that at least at this point, it's like, I, I think I'm kind of mastered by this. Mm. This is not how Jesus is calling me to live. I need a brother. I need a couple brothers. I need some sisters in Christ to come along and partner with me as I look to not settle for slavery, mm-hmm. but really strive for freedom. And then we can say, I, I, I have habits that I know will really give me life but I'm distracted by the Netflix. I'm distracted by Instagram and I'm not doing these things. So what does it look like to partner and to say, all right, I've I've got somebody now that that I'm admitting, all right, I I didn't even really read the Bible this week. And Mm -hmm. and that person is able to reflect both the grace and kindness of God, but also that the heart of God in terms of saying, well, well, how is this week gonna be differently? What can you do? What what do you need to flip out? What, what, What do you need to turn around so that you can be experiencing the new life in this? Who are the neighbors that God is calling you to reach out with for the gospel? Um, what are the ways that God is calling you to love your wife or love your husband in new ways? What are the new ways of parenting that God is calling you to? Let's partner together and really have our, our friendships and our time together as believers be purposeful. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing we're looking to do. That The words we used, um, those of us who were on the team that were really praying about the discipleship ideas, where we said we, we want it to be organic. We're not wanting to invite people to join a new program on a new night. We're wanting right. it to be organic, but we're wanting it to be purposeful, where we're taking purposeful, intentional steps. Right. I think I think people are so yearning for this kinds of relationships. And I think maybe it's something that we don't talk about often or it's or we feel like we're, we're admitting that we're not as good as Christian as we hope people think that we are maybe. But I think that deep down, like we, we want that kind of relationship, even the kinds of relationships that challenge us in our areas of weakness. I, and, I, and I think it's, we don't have enough conversations about that. My wife works at a university and they interviewed hundreds of college students, Christian college students on mental health and wellness. And then towards the end, they asked them some questions like, you know, what, what do you think would, would help you uh, see growth in the area? And like huge number percentage, 80% said someone mentoring me, yeah. someone showing care in my life and just asking me on a weekly, daily basis, how I'm doing, how things are going, how can I improve, you know, uh, committed to my prayer life, things like that. And, and I think that deep down, we want that and that we and I think God made us that way that we need that. And so my hope is is that through this program we can just you know, if one small step remove the barrier of conversation and we can even ask someone, hey, you know, are you do you have people that you're discipling or leading or someone leading you and and not be awkward like, no, I, I, I know I'm supposed to, but I'm not. Just be like, no, I'm not. You know, I would love that. You know, I you know, I've been thinking and praying about ways that I can do more of that and make that in the same way that we might ask someone if they're in a life group or if they're going to this you know, Christmas event, or they go into this different church barbecue 
are they also involved in discipleship in some way? Yeah, and and, and I think that that's really significant. It, like you said, kind of removing the barrier. And there, there are some practical things that we're looking to do as a church leadership to, to facilitate this, you mm-hmm. know, organic and yet purposeful. So to make it purposeful, we, we've chosen a couple books that we're promoting. Where we're talking about those on Sunday. One of them is called Discipleship Essentials. Mm-hmm. One of them is called Designed for Discipleship. And the idea here isn't that these are the only two ways to disciple, but just to say, if, if there's a person, even if there's somebody listening to this right now that's thinking, gosh, that sounds good, and God has put somebody into my life, and and gosh, I'd, I'd love to go talk to him, to, to talk to her about us getting together you know, every other week and sitting down and doing this. I have no idea what I'd do right. to say, here's something you could use. Here's a tool that would give you that content and that setting for that so that you don't have to completely make it up as you go along. And then we have right. some other things that, that we'll be providing for suggestions. Here's how you kind of run a meeting so that it's helpful and make it your own, tweak it, you know, don't feel like you got to treat it as stringent. But for some people, they may hear what they're talking, what we're talking about right now, and they might say, I'm there, I'm grabbing somebody, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and they'll just, God has put them in a place where they just kind of know what to do. And for others, it's, it's going to just take that little bit of, okay. Okay, like I, I see, I could grab that book, I could mm-hmm. do this, I could follow these steps, and then once I get into it, I'm going to be living by the steps a lot less because we're we're just going to be in the groove of how we have this kind of relationship. Yeah, absolutely, purposeful doesn't mean complex. Yeah, it doesn't mean complicated. It just means that there's that commitment there. I know that I've spent some time, uh, you know, discipling others and discipling some college students, and you know, almost every time we began with the exact same question. For us, it was what's going on in your life right now that God might be trying to teach you something. Mm. That's, and usually it always came with an easy answer to that because it's a thing in yeah. life that was causing them either anxiety or joy or whatever it was. And then you could go from there and, and dive in deep. Yeah. And we've both, you know, we, we've both benefited from um, being on both sides of this, right. uh, of having, we, we both have had people that have come alongside us at different times in our life and don't necessarily always serve as lifelong sort of mentors for us, but at least for a season of time or in an area of life, God used to kind of push us forward in a significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also both have, have got to see God work as we've taken kind of the risk of feeling like I, I'm going to come along somebody side somebody else and invite them into kind of that sort of relationship with me. And to see how God works in those ways, where right. I, I think, and and for me, I I think this is true. Um, I, I see this just in practical ways with my kids. A lot of times, where it's like, man, when you're a parent, you know this. It's mm-hmm. like you're in the trenches. You're 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 teaching the same things. You're training in the same things. You're doing all this, and sometimes it feels like you're getting nowhere. And then something happens that that leads your kid to sort of a major step forward in maturity. Mm-hmm. I think in many ways, that's what happens with us in our Christian walk. So we're, we're sort of in it, we're plugging away, and then something happens that really jumps us in right. something. And I think the thing that jumps us is so often relationally connected, that God brings somebody into yep. our life and somebody speaking into our life, and suddenly we see things through new eyes, or we have somebody holding our feet to the fire, and we mm-hmm. think... Unfortunately, sometimes we're we're okay with disappointing a God that we can't see, yeah. but we're not okay with disappointing somebody that we do see. And so God uses that to hold our feet to the fire, and we we get that jump forward. Where man, I just think you know, I my youth pastor when when I was in high school and then also in college, he really spent time and mm-hmm. effort and prayer in leading me along. 
Um, when I was in Oregon, I, I approached an, an older man. He was in his probably early 80s at the time. And for probably three or four years, we regularly met. And it was it was God's gift to me for that time that I got to look to Tom during those years and, and look to emulate his life and learn from him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've also had people that have just been, it might just be for a couple months. It might just be in one area of my life that they serve as as somebody that God is using in this way. But I just think for me, and, and I think you'd probably say the same, I think, where would I be right. if I didn't have the benefit of these people that came alongside me? And I want to do all that I can to be that person for others as well. Right. And I think that's, it's it's not only purposeful, but it's, it's kind of built in to our personal growth and, and that we don't mm-hmm. become Christians and automatically just start growing. You know, I think you can even see it in, in the New Testament and even, you know, we see it kind of easily in the mission field. The moment that they become Christians, they begin to get discipled and disciple others kind of. And, and, and that looks different than when you've been a Christian for a month and when you've been a Christian for 25 years. But it's, but it's part of the process. And that, you know, we talk about all, all of us hopefully should have these experiences and memories of in our growth that we've been discipled, we've discipled others because it's not only to the expectation, it's the way that God has designed us to grow deeper. Absolutely. And, you know, and one of the things that feels like a barrier, someone might say, you know, I haven't been a Christian long. I don't feel like I can disciple someone. I kind of also feel embarrassed maybe asking someone to disciple me. Um, but I definitely, you know, I'm not a church leader. I'm not, you know, I'm not a super Christian. I don't know if I can really begin to disciple others. And and I know we'll address that over the weeks, yeah. but what do you think is a way to help people get to the point to understand that it's just part of the process? Yeah, uh, it's it's a great question. Um, I I think um, I think to some extent we we got to just start with the idea of saying um, Jesus consistently calls us out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So we just got to start with the framework. All right. If you become a disciple of Jesus, which if you're a Christian, you are, yep. you signed on for somebody who is going to lead you in very uncomfortable ways for your good. Mm-hmm. And so just to start with that, to say, all right, discomfort is is not necessarily a signal that you shouldn't do this. Um, and then I'd say just to look at it and say, let's get away from the idea of viewing discipleship as something where we've got sort of the the older, wiser person that knows it all and the younger, fresher person that knows nothing. And instead to say, we're all on this journey together. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying, gosh, I've been a Christian for maybe a year or a couple of years. I don't feel like I know a lot, um, but I've grown a little bit. Just to look around and say, all right, what are ways that you can look at somebody who maybe is at a similar stage to you and just join up with them? Hmm. And maybe the, the quote unquote discipleship relationship is less mentor-mentee and is more peer Mm-hmm. where you say to somebody, I'm looking to grow in these areas. There's this book that I want to read. How about we read it together? We spur each other on. Yeah. So it can be much more of a peer relationship. And I also think we we don't grow without that risk. You, something that you alluded to earlier, just in normalizing this in our church family, I just think, man, what, what I would love, um, there are those times where you're with one Christian friend or with a group of Christian friends, and you're all having a good time, and you're all talking about stuff. And and I think often every person who's part of that group is thinking, I wish there was some way to turn this conversation spiritual. Yeah. But nobody quite knows how to do it or takes the risk to do it. And if somebody does it, I think often everybody in the room is excited. They're like, yeah. oh, thank God. I, I didn't know how to do this. I was hoping this would happen. Mm-hmm. So if we more normalize the idea of we're willing to deal with the awkwardness, we're willing to risk that, 
just in that conversation where a bunch of you are out for a burger together and you decide to be the guy that says, hey, let's all talk about what we've been learning in the scriptures this week. I'll start. Yeah, and then you share, and then you see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or that you say, "I here's the thing I've really been meditating about God this week. It's it's about how His grace frees me up from fear." And you talk about that, and you see where it goes. But but I think just taking that risk in those conversations, and just recognizing you're not signing on to be the know all mentor. You're signing on to be a part of your own and other people's continued growth in living out the lives that our Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to live. Yeah, I think we're so we're so nervous and hesitant to to steer away from awkward conversations, you know, and so much of our culture has told us that a couple of things you don't talk about, and one of them is religion and spirituality. And even as Christians. Yeah. Like, hey, Christians, keep it private, go to church, but don't know, talk about it. You can sit together for a meal and go, you know, I'm gonna pray for the meal where a group of Christians, you could easily start with, how can I be praying for you? And then I'll pray for the meal and those things, those prayer requests. You know, that would be something that you would think would be completely normal. And I think that we have to begin to change the culture that um, in the same way, and that even in the same moment, you talk about the show you're watching on Netflix, but you're also curious about how someone is doing in their faith Absolutely. or how can you pray for them or uh, how, how is their life going in their family and their marriage and relationship. And I think that it feels awkward in the moment, but hopefully in the Christian context, no one would get offended yeah. or feel like that conversation was so, unwarranted. It's so life-giving right. when it happens. Yep. All right, well, well we're, gonna, we're gonna kind of wrap up this episode, but we're gonna have, this is the first of six, where we're on the one hand gonna be talking about some things that are more equipping for people that are saying, I wanna do this, I'm not sure how, and other ones that are just more talking about stories about how God has used these relationships in each other's lives. So we got more ahead just in trying to help us as a church family delve more into this, where this just becomes normal, that this is happening, it's cropping up, nobody's checking with the pastors or elders. This is just something that becomes a part of our church culture. That's right, that's right. Well, we just wanna thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, We have these episodes uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch them on the LBF Church uh, YouTube channel. And we're gonna be asking some questions and and hopefully encouraging some dialogue. Um, Where have you been discipled? And we wanna hear from you guys about how this process is going. And so we're going to be asking those questions and dropping these episodes in the LBF Church Facebook group. Hope to see you there. 